Welcome to KJV Cafe, where we explore great truths from God's holy word in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. Romans 10:17 shows us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's grow our faith together in the cafe today. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. Grab your Bible and a hot cup of coffee or tea and join us now as we explore God's Holy Word. Thank you for joining me today. Today we're going to answer the question, is hell a real place? Is hell a real place? Oh, what a popular thing to talk about. What a popular thing to study. Not a lot of people want to do that, do they? Uh, they don't want to talk about hell. They want to think about hell. Uh, they want to say hell is nothing more than uh, just having the lights off, so to speak, just just being in a blackness. But look, the Bible has a lot to say on hell. In fact, there's more to say on hell than we can even uh, discuss here in this few minutes that we have. So I'm going to dive right in and get to what I can here. And uh, hopefully I can make a biblical case, a Bible-based case for the idea that hell truly is a real place. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 10, 26 through 31. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he, had, he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit, that's capital S, of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So Hebrews 10, 26 through 31 lays out this idea that uh, people are living sinfully against the Lord in rebellion, and uh, that nullifies what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, once we're saved, we're always saved. We're not saved by works. But I'm speaking here to the lost person that is not saved and that understands uh, that they are not living as they should live. And uh, the Lord has convicted them. The Lord has showed them through his, through his creation and through his messengers that uh, Jesus Christ died for their sins. They reject that gift, that free gift of salvation. They say, no, I don't want it. And then uh, the writer here in Hebrews reminds us that he that had despised Moses' law, that despised the Mosaic laws, those, those old uh, laws, uh, the laws that we read about in the Old Testament, they were killed or died under uh, two or three witnesses, as in uh, those laws were so complex, and, and if you had broken the law, then you were to be put to death. And there were so many different ways that man could break them. In fact, no man could keep the law. That was the point of the law, to show that no man could live without sin, that they all fall short. Uh, and then it reminds us here in Hebrews 10, as it goes on to 29, 30, and 31, if the Old Testament law, which came of God, we know that came of God. Remember, God literally wrote it on the stone there. God gave those commandments, gave the law to Moses. And, and what the writer is saying is, think about this. If the same God that gave that law to those uh, Jewish people in the Old Testament, if that law was that strict for those that didn't follow it, and they broke one little rule that they would be stoned to death, they'd be killed. Can you imagine what that same God is going to do? That vengeance is going to come from that same God 
to those that reject the free gift of salvation, to those that play games with God, to those that ridicule and rebel against God. And that's why it ends here in verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, I think part of fearing the Lord, Lord is understanding that we are not our own, that we are bought with a price, that we uh, have a responsibility as saved Christians to recognize there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we can't water that down just because it might make people uncomfortable. It may not make uh, it popular. I preach about hell in church and we don't have a big church. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but I'm still going to preach it. I've got to preach it because you know what? Verse 31 tells me it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so one day, I mean, number one, we're all in his hands, but one day we will be um, we will meet God face to face. Amen. And those that are saved, those that are believers, as I understand it, uh, we will be at the uh, reward seat. Basically, the beam of seat will be rewarded and we will not face wrath because we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. But those that rejected that free gift, those are the ones I believe this uh, scripture is referencing. Those that have played games, those that have rebelled, those that have blasphemed God, those that have mocked the Lord. Hey, the Bible says the Lord is not mocked. Amen. He will have his pound of flesh. He will have his judgment and his judgment is so much more fearful and so much more uh, powerful than anything we can imagine. And part of that judgment, I believe, is a real hell. And I get that belief from God's word. It's not my opinion. It's not something I saw in a movie, not something I read in some other book. It's from the Bible. Let's start with who has the power to cast into hell. Luke 12, verse 5. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So Luke 12, 5 is referencing a verse that's found in multiple gospels that basically says, fear the one, don't fear the one that can kill you, right? Don't fear man if the man's got a gun and can kill you. Don't fear that one. Fear the one that has the power to cast you into hell, okay? And so what we see is who has the power to cast into this real hell? That's God. Now, would God say, I'm going to cast someone in to something where it's like the lights going off, where it's all black, where there's just no existence? Would God say that? That I, you know, fear me because I can cast you off? Off into a meditative sleep? No, of course not. The Lord is telling us this in multiple gospels. He's telling us this because he wants us to understand there is a real hell. Uh, Mark 9, verse 43, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. The fire that never shall be quenched. Now, if there is no hell, how could there be a fire that is never quenched? If that is symbolic, what is that symbolic of? A fire that's never quenched, a fire that never goes out. To me, that tells me there is a literal hell, that there's no way to, to question that, that the fire will burn for an eternity, and so on. Now, you may say, Brother Clark, God is love. He loves us so much. A loving God would not send people to hell. That's often what you hear. And I would say this twofold. Number one, God is love. And number two, he is perfect and holy. And a perfect and holy God will enact perfect and holy judgment. And so that same loving God, as Hebrews 10, 26 through 31 mentions, had a very strict law in the Old Testament that led to death for many. And you, you want to get into this, you can start looking at what the, oh man, what during the um, crossing the Red Sea and uh, during those in the wilderness that trek there trying to go to the promised land and all of the people that had to die in order for the Jews to be able to even enter the promised land, 
die from unbelief, die from having mixed relations, die from worshiping false gods, die from asking for quail and go on and on. Read that and say, what is the character of God? The character of God is that he's fully holy. And so that he realizes we are not holy. That's why a loving God gives us a path to enter his heaven and avoid the wrath of hell. And that path is only by the blood of Jesus Christ which we talked about recently on this program. It is the blood. It is by the blood that we are saved. And when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we accept that blood atonement, that's that Bible word, atonement, the idea that there's a payment, a propitiation, a full payment for a debt, a sin debt that we cannot pay, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. When we accept that free gift of salvation, we are saved from this hell. And so again, a loving God, what did a loving God do to save mankind? That loving God said, here, my only begotten, my beloved son, the one that was there, the Holy Trinity, the one that was there at the beginning, I'm going to send him into the earth. I'm going to let him be of no good report. I'm going to let him be uh, humiliated. I'm going to let him be abused. I'm going to let him be uh, just killed in no way that's ever been done before, the worst way ever in terms of the brutal death of drinking of that sin cup, of being abused, of being, of being just uh, uh, mocked and ridiculed, of being everything under the sun, dealing with all kinds of problems. I'm going to let him endure that, and and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let him bleed out slowly on that cross, and I'm going to let him die on that cross, a bloody death on that cross, to save humanity. That God is definitely a God that has a unique way. You know, the Bible says that his ways are not our ways. Amen. Now, Jesus died. He was buried. He was in the grave three days, and then God miraculously resurrected him from the grave. That is the proof. That resurrection is the proof that that truly is the Holy One of God, the Christ, the spotted lamb without blemish that died for our sins. And when he was resurrected and he walked the earth 40 days and 40 nights, he was seen by over 500, the Bible tells us. Then we know that that truly is God and is of God. And it is the only way for us to be saved is to believe in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross. And so that God is, yes, he is a God of love. And this God shows us love through giving up himself through the most brutal death of all mankind. I read on um, online that, that to uh, the, the, the word excruciating, which, you know, if you describe being in excruciating pain, that's like a 10 out of 10. The word excruciating actually comes out of the word of crucifying. And so it is just an excruciating death that our God endured for us so that we could be saved. And then when we reject that excruciating death, when we reject that free gift of salvation, when we don't believe, when we harden our hearts, come on now, when we do those things, our fate is what? Our fate is hell, not because of that loving God, but because of our choice. Revelation 14, 11, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now, Revelation 14.11 is referring to uh, hell, uh, the smoke and the torment forever and ever, no rest day or night, uh, and and dealing with those um, in the tribulation period that took the mark of the beast and so forth. But I believe this is describing a real hell, uh, this idea of having no rest day or night. Well, how can you say that hell is nothing more than just being dead and, and just 
blackness. How can you say that? That that to me sounds kind of like rest. And and this here it says no rest day or night. You know, if someone dies, you say rest in peace. Hey, but uh, they're not resting in peace if they didn't know and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, because once saved, always saved. But if you reject that gift, then you have been saved. And guess where you end up? You end up in hell. And there's many more scriptures on this in the Bible. I encourage you, don't take my word for it. Get in the Bible, research, get a concordance or go online. Look at scriptures on hell. And there are many verses that go deep into what, and even parables that Jesus told about hell that go into the fact that hell truly is a real place. And you're saying, oh, does God really need to scare people into salvation? Well, I don't know. Uh, The Bible says that we're a stiff-necked people, uh, that the Jews were stiff-necked people, that we today believers, I believe uh, even those uh, that, that are backslid or those that have not believed yet, they're also stiff-necked or stubborn. Uh, the Bible calls us sheep, like dumb sheep. Well, what do we need? Sometimes we need a big ice bucket over our head. Sometimes we need a cold shower. Sometimes we need some loud preaching. Sometimes we need to understand the consequences of the decisions that we make. You know, if I were to take a car and drive it into traffic and just close my eyes and start driving around blindly, you know, I need to be aware what's going to happen. I will crash that car. And so at the same time, God's saying, you're going to live your life blindly. Be aware that, that hell awaits you. So open up your eyes, realize that you are blind, and then open up your eyes and realize that there is a path to salvation from a loving God that does not want you go to, to go to hell. You know, the Bible says that the Lord doesn't want any to perish, but that all to come to a repentance. What is that? That's that saving knowledge that something needs to change in you. And the way it changes is only by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, specifically what he did on the cross. And we see that in the book of Corinthians. Uh, chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, if I remember correctly, we must go to the gospel, understand that the gospel for the believe, for those that in this church age to become a believer is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that is the way we avoid this very real hell. Now, if we want to just go ahead and say, we'll believe what we'll believe and we'll figure it out later, then it'll be too late. And that's why the Lord has sent preachers like me to tell you that hell is real and that you need to get right with God before it's eternally too late. And the only way to get right with God, it's not through works, it's not through money, it's not through pedigree. The only way to get right with God is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Now, I hope this was helpful today. It's a big topic and a little message, and that's why I encourage you to go ahead and get in God's Word, research research it more, understand the truth of His Word, that there is a real hell, hell is a real place, and it is the home of those that reject Jesus as Savior. Thanks for listening to this episode of KJV Cafe. Have a question for Pastor Clark? Email him directly at clark at enduringpromise.org or visit kjvcafe.com and click the envelope button on the homepage. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. We'll close today with Psalm 119 verses 166 through 168. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee.